It is indeed a pleasure to have this privilege to play here for you. And we, we intend to give you a very fine program, so just settle back, relax, and enjoy the moment. 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 Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Miked Up on OM Radio. I'm your host, Mika Gadsden, and today's show is all about power. <laughs> Yo, I'm fresh off the road. I just returned from my employee retreat. For those who don't know, I am the state coordinator for South Carolina uh, with Black Voters Matter. Black Voters Matter or BVM, I think I'm going to say BVM going forward to help me not be so tongue-tied. Well, BVM is based out of Atlanta, Georgia. We just had our staff retreat. It was lit. It was great. Shout out to Cliff Albright and Latasha Brown, co-founders of BVM. And also, also, big, big, big shout out to all of my colleagues, um, both coordinators, internal staff, uh, the new hires. Shout out to everyone. My girl, Danielle. My girl, Cara McClure from Alabama. Uh, Tim, uh, Renee, Wanda, everyone, just just everyone in central staff um, and um, those out in the field. Shout out to all you guys. It was amazing. Um, I came back on Tuesday uh, early in the morning. (laughs) I came back Tuesday and I was just so energized and ready to just hit the ground and start applying what I had learned. You know, Black Voters Matter is an organization that what what we do in essence is as coordinators, I go out, hit the road in South Carolina, and I identify grassroots partners, uh, organizations, coalitions, either, you know, formal organizations like 501C3 or C4, or just, you know, your mom and pop, you know, around the way girl type organization. And, it, you know, it doesn't have to be anything formal, but we find these communities who have been doing important work. Black Voters Matter is not just about doing work around electoral politics. Quite the contrary. Uh, Black Voters Matter supports work done uh, in schools, um, work done with um, fighting for folks to have fair utility bills, um, fighting against environmental injustices. Um, you know, uh, you know. so there's like a, a, a myriad of issues that Black Voters Matter, get uh, we get behind, BVM gets behind, and it's all because we support the partners on the ground who's who've already been engaged in that work for you know a substantial period of time folks who have gotten the buy-in from their communities uh the people who really know these issues and how complex they are so we don't take up space what we do is we support these groups we offer training and any other resources we may have at, at our disposal um, of course, there's um, material support that we lend as well. But more importantly, we build these important relationships that we hope last um, long term. And I want to stress that long term part because um, one thing that kept uh, coming up during the retreat, um, one topic of discussion, of course, was, you know, current politics. We didn't talk too much impeachment, y'all. Um, not because it's not important, but um, we talked about how all of these campaigns have descended on the South and BVM. Um, most of our partners are in the South. We're about, we're about like 11 or more states now and growing. And so, um, you know, a lot of our states are either like Super Tuesday states or just er- like an early primary state like South Carolina or a battleground state. And so um, the campaigns have descended, y'all. Um, and of course, they made a beeline to um, 
all of our black communities. And it's great. It's great because I know that with that attention comes a lot of jobs. And I've always advocated for people to, um, especially black people and marginalized people, to have access to electoral politics, especially at the level where you can um, be considered to be a strategist or you can be considered to... um, you can take on a role as a, as a you know leading a campaign or uh, you know uh, being a political director, field organizer. You know there there are tremendous opportunities when these campaigns come to town. The only thing that really w- became troublesome, and I was so gr- happy to know that I wasn't alone in this thought, was that um, some of the more mm, wealthier candidates um, have been just throwing out cash to, to uh, black staffers specifically. Uh, in a way that just seems super, super, super toxic. Um, a way that seems um, it's, it's short term. This is all short term cash. But but to be honest, this is not new. Um, every four years, or even even more frequent, or you know, depending on the election, how contentious it may be. Um, every so often, we get these campaigns come to town, and they do this. They they look for black staffers to be the face of the campaign to help uh, uh, get the buy-in from black communities. That's nothing new. Um, But what's going on now is that um, those who aren't even showing up on national polls, you know, they're making their way to the debate stages and they're actually, they're they're making their way into our communities um, and they're doing it on the dollar, right? And it was, uh, I'm gonna, hmm, let me me, me think how I'm gonna do this. So what I'm gonna do is this. I'm gonna play a clip that features Latasha Brown, um, a co-founder, and Cliff Albright, co-founders of BVM. They're going to talk about power building and why it's so important, right? And it's important to this episode because I think we've got this power dynamic a little bit flipped, especially I'm speaking directly to black people uh, here in the South. You know, it's great, again, that we uh, find our, our niche in, in, this, um, in this game called electoral politics. I myself want to be considered... Um, to be, I want to, I want to take on the role of, of operative, and I've already, pretty much, you know, stepped into that arena, um, you know. So I want to offer my opinions, and I want to be heard, uh, and of course, I want that work to be supported financially. Um, but it, I want to be strategic too, right? I don't necessarily want to enter the pundit class. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm able to um, have control over my voice and the narrative that, and, and the things I'm trying to say. I want to have control over the subject matter. And so power is important. Balance is important. So this episode is going to, um, we're going to feature a clip of a conversation from a previous mic'd up episode, again, that features Latasha Brown and Cliff Albright. And it's tells you all about BVM and what what they're about. And then what that will help me do is set up the rest of the show. I'm going to play some other clips uh, where we're talking about how black folks can maintain the power balance and really be become, um, we can really emerge as significant players in this game as opposed to being pawns. And um, while, again, I don't begrudge anyone taking on any new financial opportunities, I do hope that we do think critical, critically rather, hope that we think critically about the jobs we do take on um is it the right fit um you know am i being tokenized if so uh, how am i am am i in control of how that token that token uh role is is being you know i guess manipulated i mean because we're all going to be tokenized it's just it needs to be on our terms i guess i'm trying to say that 
delicately. Um, it's just uh, an, an unfortunate truth. Um, and so, yeah, I want us to make sure that the power balance is in is in check. So I'm going to listen to Latasha. Again, she was on Mic'd Up on a previous episode. And for those listening outside of um, listening live, if you're streaming this later, you'll find links to the full episode in the show notes. Um, but, yeah, I want her to explain BVM's mission and perhaps, you know, a little bit more about what her journey um, on this road has been like and why they why she had to course correct to make sure that they were um, attacking the issue of representation and having our not just our voices heard but our issues uh, take center stage as they should you know how do, how do you get to that point you have to do that by being at the right position and positioning ourselves to be heard the right way and not just to be seen as a means to an end um, we can't afford to just deliver candidates, specifically white candidates, we can't afford to just deliver them election and deliver them our constituencies and our communities. We have to make sure that um, we're building power so that we can be um, self-sufficient, we can be in, we can be um, autonomous, uh, and that folks understand that when they come to our communities, they're vying for our support, and they have to make sure that they respect that. Um, it's really, really critical for the long term um, for p- power building um, it's important that we, we keep that balance in mind. So, yeah, listen to this clip. And after this clip, I'll come back and talk to you about a very important article, which also touches on this issue. So, um, yeah, you're going to listen into Latasha Brown, co-founder from Black Voters Matter. And then on the other side, I'll come back and we'll talk about how we need to continue to build black power, y'all. I'm telling them we, we, we look great. All we look great. great. <laughs> we, we pushing fifty. We ain't there right. yet, but we pushing real you know, hard. Black don't crack. We look good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's so we, you know, even as far as then we were thinking about thinking about what do we do, and then we started doing the work. We mm-hmm. literally started doing work, like from running campaigns. So we even ran for office ourselves, and then we got frustrated with the parties and said, "Dag on it, we are gonna start our own you, party." You figured out party, that nonpartisan right? stuff real quick, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Real quick, right? Mm-hmm. And so that led us back to that led us to where we are now. And so both, I think, both Cliff and I um, decided we literally left our jobs, mm. um, started the organization, and we were like, we are going to, which we've always, but we mm. wanted to full time go hard in the paint mm. of dedicating our lives to our people mm. to really be around this concept of power. Power. Mm-hmm. Like when we would talk to folks about power, mm-hmm. folks got this thing about power mm-hmm. as if power was a bad thing. No, power was a good thing. Mm-hmm. They're just yeah. bad people who right. use power in right. a way right. that is that is hurtful and harmful for us. Mm-hmm. But we want some power now. Right. right. You know, and I remember when you, and I know you want a whirlwind, so you remember, of course, when you were here last time. And you even motioned to me, and um, I talk about this a lot on my show, mm-hmm. so um, I... I I love this place. I love Charleston. Mm. My father's from this area. I feel connected to this area. That our history is everywhere, even though it's hidden. Mm. It's almost, um, it's just something mm. pulled, pulled me here. I, I left Philadelphia to move here by choice. I quit my job, too, just to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I say all that to say, this is a peculiar place, y'all. We know it. And know. when I talk about power, mm-hmm. I get the most pushback. Right. It's almost if, like... It, and and you mm, you mentioned something like to me that just cussed or something. Yeah, right? it's yeah. almost like no 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 rock the boat too right. much. And this is not an indictment of my people at all, mm-hmm. um, who I who I work for and who I who I care about deeply. But there is a strange relationship that our folk have with power, as mm-hmm. if 
that is like it's a dirty word. Mm -hmm. Have you gone to different pockets throughout the South where maybe that we don't have that Selma culture where the, the engagement is as great or that turnout isn't as great? Um, ha have you had to navigate that or? or oh, absolutely. Yeah. And even in Selma, yeah. let me be clear. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Let me be clear mm -hmm. because right. I think that 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 one of the things I'll say I we learned from Selma right. is that people start thinking when they're talking about power, they talk about voting, right? Mm. And so there's a difference between participation and power. That's One true. don't necessarily mean the other. I like that distinction. Right? And mm. so, mm. you know, oftentimes folks are just want our people say, just go vote, go vote. That ain't all around the power. That's just one vehicle. Mm -hmm. And even for us, let's be clear that while we do political work, mm. we don't think that the liberation of black people is going to come from us voting, right? That's right. We think <laughs> that voting is one tool right. mm -hmm. and it's one, it's harm reduction. Right. As long as people are in these positions of power right. that are making decisions about us, we need to have some influence over them. Mm -hmm. But while we're doing that, we got to build on the ground as well. So for us, when we're going around talking to folks about power, we're doing an expanded piece. Power right. means you have the ability to make the decisions about you and your mm -hmm. life. And mm -hmm. you've got everything that you've got the financial power to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. You've got the political power to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. You've got the social power to do that, mm -hmm. right? Yes. you even got the mental power <laughs> to do it. If you don't think that black folks matter, mm -hmm. why would anybody else think Yo, they somebody matter? somebody get the fire thing with <laughs> <laughs> Okay, welcome back to Mic'd Up on OM Radio. I'm your host, Mika Gadsden, and that was a clip featuring Cliff Albright and Latasha Brown, co-founders of Black Voters Matter, based out of Atlanta, Georgia, and we're talking about how to maintain power and influence in black communities during a very energetic and active campaign season. So yeah, we're going to take a quick music break right here. This is the homie. You already know. If you listen, you know who this is. We'll see you on the other side of this song, y'all. Enjoy. <laughs> Same thing is to you. You tell me. No, no, you tell me. <laughs> no, no. Because <laughs> I've been talking for it's such a long time. It's just a feeling. It's just a feeling. It's like, how do you tell somebody how it feels to be in love? How are you going to tell anybody who has not been in love how it feels to be in love? You cannot do it to save your life. You can describe things, but you can't tell them. But you know it when it happens. That's what I mean by free. I've had a couple of times on stage when I really felt free. And that's something else. That's oh. really something <laughs> else. Like all, all, like, like, I'll tell you what freedom is to me. No fear. I mean, really, no fear. I tried to run it away. I've been writing immensely, though my diary entries feeling empty. Not one lesson or chrome weapon. The cop freezes in fear forming against me. Dilutes what we're dipped in. This lipped in color code in our body is a shrine. Our mental is a temple in God's name. Our thoughts are an altar for the divine. My sisters, I can see you at tables seated in rows. It's like I'm seeing the phoenix, the fire scene in your souls. You're a spark in a dark cave. Evergreen seeds of the earth birthing the leaves that lead people from dark ways. Though I'm using the euphemisms in my arsenal, capturing your experience impossible. Your levels of strength couldn't be measure with man's tools and on their heels are you finding healing walking in man's shoes it's true i can see the lord in you i see god too i can see the soul with you and a rod too freedom's needed for you now we can't get around to it i can hear the worries in your vocal but you smile through it i can see your scars you've been battered in the worst way you're suffering wondering if you're mattered in the first place 
All your melanin affirms you're a heroine I'm just here to take accountability for every sin Every time I set eyes on you to lie to you Disconnected from the vibe that's echoing deep inside of you We relegate you to arm candy and objects Despite being powerfully complexed Eve brought awareness to the mind that's in Genesis She ate the fruit of the vine Believing the freedom provided benefits Punishment was misery A woman born fully grown Chose her own freedom Peep the history Forever you're stellar You're never pitiful Yes, your magic is powerful Not invincible Even you admitted that the wine and the credit card lines never delivered you Working it away never swayed you or feeling miserable If I had my spirit to yours Building a spiritual fortress We could forklift burdens off of your physical This a swift kick in the balls Taylor for all Oh nah, yeah, interruption Screaming all the awards and all the applause For y'all, a real feminine force And all the world's bold colors absorb Your life score, your struggles are sheet music I read through it, seeing our black babies So composed, all in colorful chords So many brothers fall short of the cause Daughter's fears get cemented Used as the mortar for walls You're building up to protect you from people who reject you, neglect you, disrespect you, still expect you to step through, devoid of them feelings that divide you, the type of feelings that remind you, always find you in class, at your job, at confession, in midst of your sexual expressions when it's time to, this a better way for your chakras, your life force, a calm tide for your yacht ride, big docks and better life posts, more than a once love, the cleanest energy, you're a ministry, so we can be the we once was the energy, the muses to this tune. It blooms like a fly. For hours I was writing beneath the super moon. Super soon come to pray away the cranes with the strength of ten strong women during labor pains. Super soon come to pray away the cranes with the strength of ten strong women during labor pains. It's like in the sky. Sometimes I don't wanna feel those metal Yeah, it's like cranes in the sky Sometimes I don't want to feel This is Mic'd Up on OM Radio, 96.3 FM, Charleston. Um, I'm your host, Mika Gadsden, and that was a music break featuring uh, a song, a cover of, um, not even a cover, like a freestyle cover of uh, Cranes in the Sky, um, but it was done by my homie, Benny Starr. Uh, for more information on all music featured on this show, Please check out the show notes if you're streaming the show. If you're streaming the show um, after it airs live Friday at four. So um, today's show is all about building uh, or maintaining Black political power during uh, a hectic campaign season. I'm recording this show following the um, the Thursday night Democratic debates, which was amazing. Um, it, it was great. It's, it's even better when you watch it on Twitter, in my opinion. When you when you live tweet it, rather, right? When you live tweet it and watch it, it's dope. Um, 
But yeah, so uh, we were talking about prior to the break, I played a clip that featured Latasha Brown and Cliff Albright from Black Voters Matter. And, um, you know, they, they kind of gave you a sense as to how, you know, they've been in the game for a minute and how they've approached weighing into uh, electoral politics. And um, the longer uh, conversation that we had on that show that day um, in June was was all about how we need to make sure that we're entering this um, this dynamic from the right perspective and that we have the right perspective and understand that we're not um, waiting to be active active participants uh, rather pat I'm sorry I'm sorry passive participants uh, in uh, what is going on right now we are actually the ones who are who should be uh, telling the candidates what we need, telling these campaigns what we need, um, what we need to see more of. Um, you know, early on in the uh, campaign season, I was very critical. And I, I remain critical of everyone for the large part. Full disclosure, I have come out with Black Women 4 and endorsed Elizabeth Warren. But um, outside of that, um, I'm, I'm still critical, right? I'm critical of all of these candidates that descend on places like Charleston, early voting states and um, uh, uh, states with huge black and influential black populations, states in battleground, you know, states that are considered battleground states. You know, I'm really critical of how these campaigns engage with these communities because uh, typically what they do, and this is not new, this is as old as as the game has been, I guess, played, but um, what they typically do, these campaigns come in and they offer jobs. And that's great. I myself have benefited from jobs during electoral, um, se- to, during campaign season, right? And so that's great. But what we also see, what we're also seeing, is that influence is being bought now. Um, a recent article, in, and I'm going to pull it up as I speak. A recent article was published by the state newspaper. Um, it was written, I believe. Let me pull it up so I don't get her name wrong. Um, yeah, Mayan uh, Schechter. Uh, with the state, shout out Mayan. Uh, she does some awesome reporting on state politics. Um, so Mayan wrote a story that was titled, In South Carolina, Tom Steyer spends millions of his own cash to prove he's more than a billionaire. Uh, and I want to first also acknowledge that I have friends on virtually each and every Democratic um, uh, presidential campaign. Uh, uh, that doesn't uh, mean that I don't uh, offer the same criticisms of these candidates. Um, I have such profound respect for uh, the work of Brian Upson and so many other operatives and friends and and strategists on that campaign. Um, and to be honest with you, um, I'm very happy to see them thrive. But um, I'm going to really just, instead of focusing on individuals that I know and even without even focusing on Tom Steyer specifically, this is the game we're in currently. This is this is the um, this is the playing field, how it's constructed, where uh, money has more influence over po- than than people. And so the article talks about, um, you know, Tom Steyer entered into the race a little later than than the the vast majority of those running. And when he did do so, of course, being a billionaire, he had to rely on his own resources to make an impact. Um, you know, last week it made news how much uh, ad inventory he purchased up. He gobbled up, he and Bloomberg both gobbled up a significant amount of ads. And so if you live in South Carolina, it doesn't really matter what you watch, right? I watch a lot of ESPN. Um, I don't watch cable news often. Um, and But I'm seeing his ads on like ESPN. I'm seeing it at, well, maybe not ESPN, but some of the more like, 
like channels you wouldn't you wouldn't really think that you would see campaign ads i don't know how to describe it but i'm seeing it crop up I've, of course i've gotten the mailers uh, if you're black in the south you're on that list there's a whole industry industry um created around um how to reach out black reach out to black voters um i won't name the politician but i was i was privileged to sit in a a high-ranking democrat in south carolina i was sitting in her office and she was just showing the candidate that i was working with showing her all of the mailers for each specific community um, that she had um created and what that showed me was it was a huge industry and it's kind of propped up um because let me tell you something you don't need to send me a black mailer for me to like look at your candidate of course visibility matters but um i think you know a lot of these these industries that are are, um around this whole this whole world of electoral politics a lot of it is inflated and it, it it tends to um create you know jobs and and you know you you make experts out of everyone you know, who just says, hey, you know, this fire is more effective in this area. And, and here's the data. And a lot of that is just fluff if you really drill it down. Right. Because um, it really comes down to retail politics. And if you're if your team is on the ground knocking on doors and, you know, getting the word out and you've got dope surrogates and, you know, you're, you're just hitting that campaign trail and, and nothing replaces retail politics. Um, but, yeah, there's a whole industry um, all around how to get black folks attention. And Tom Steyer has just been inescapable. If you live in South Carolina, you cannot escape his his ads on um, and, and you know in the digital medium. Um, you can't avoid his ads on television. Uh, I don't listen to too much terrestrial radio, so I haven't heard anything there. Um, and a lot of the music I stream are like ad free versions, so I don't know if he's made his way on the Spotify. Um, yeah, I know Yang, um, Andrew Yang, who is doing well around, around younger voters. I've seen his uh, I've seen his literature or his his ads at Sonic, you know, um, very targeted, very specific, you know, putting these like sticky note little tiny ads on the like Sonic menus when you drive up. So, you know, you can't really escape any of this. But Tom Steyer is really really um he's bought up so many so many um so much ad space and so the article that Mayan wrote talks all about um him as a candidate and she does a she does a really good job uh getting a sense of who he is I I learned a lot from this reporting um but we're really stuck stuck out and I and I remember at my retreat this weekend I pulled some friends and colleagues over my shoulder and had them read um you know they started to quote from people in the community working on his campaign and um you know and some of them are saying they don't see him as a billionaire he's engaging and I will say that Tom Steyer has been extraordinarily engaging. I've seen it my, with my own eyes. I think he's done a little too much. Back at the Blue Jamboree, I, I served in two capacities. I took off my Black Voters Matter hat and then threw on my press credentials and went out there as a citizen journalist and as, you know, quite honestly, um, someone from Ohm Radio, I started to cover the Blue Jamboree and Steyer had bought up a lot of, uh, he bought a lot of, attention (laughs) um he had a digital billboard truck that was stationed or or parked right outside the blue jamboree um outside of riverfront park in north charleston he also um he also had the benedict uh marching band the full band come in so he made quite the entrance i was very critical about that 
Um, I don't like when black marching bands are used. Um, I think it's just really, it's just, ugh, ugh. Um, I don't think you need that. Shout out to Beto O'Rourke who came to the convention in Columbia and just got his crowd engaged and didn't rely on a band. Um, but back to Tom Steyer. Tom Steyer had the, yeah, so the digital billboard truck, like it was four sided of like four sides of a digital billboard ad that would rotate, um, like four TV screens. Then he had Benedict marching band. So he enlisted their services. And then what he did was he subsidized a, um, press pavilion. And I think, um, on the surface that seems a little innocent, but it really, um, got a little tricky when I believe he purchased the lunch. Uh, according to another reporter who was there, um, he purchased a lunch for reporters, and that's just something you don't want to do. That's um, way too heavy-handed. You don't want to be seen as someone trying to massage the press in hopes to get favorable coverage. Uh, and so his um, his campaign's decision-making around that informed the way I view his engagement with the black community. And so what I'm seeing is people who would know who would not regularly be um, enlisted as uh, field organizers or strategists um, have been hired. A lot of amazing black entrepreneurs, a lot, a lot of amazing black activists, Democrats. Again, I have friends and people I care about on these campaigns and I don't begrudge them for seeking out an, a great economic opportunity. However, um, I see some people occupying roles and positions that they, where they might be in over their head and they're being tokenized, quite quite honestly. And again, we're all going to be tokenized. We just need to know, A, it's going on, and we need to have some control over that. And that's what I'm fearful. I'm fearful that we're losing our grasp on what's really at stake here. You know, and I love for us to have economic opportunity, but it can't be at the detriment or to the detriment of our communities and our political voice. So it's important that we call it out when we see it. And what Mayans coverage and what my time at the Blue Jamboree also, um, you know, uh, brought to my attention was uh, that there is some sort of influence uh, that's attempting. There, there's something going on where they're relying less on people's the credibility of the people or if they are the right fit for the campaign and just trying to find as many black people as possible to be um, visible um, for uh, for the Steyer campaign specifically the Bloomberg campaign is not exempt um, I haven't seen it close up here because he's really having a tough time really getting his footing here but I'm sure I'll, I'll see him soon I'll see Bloomberg and his his uh his footprint very, very soon. We do know that the mayor of Columbia, South Carolina, has come out and endorsed Bloomberg, which was a very peculiar choice, in my opinion. Um, but I think that that tells you a lot, right? It tells you a lot about the, the people behind Bloomberg. It tells you a lot about power in South Carolina and influence and who's beholden to who. Um, Bloomberg... I, I wouldn't call him an establishment pick, but I know that he signals safety to a lot of moderates who are, quote unquote, afraid of going too far to the left, which is a false narrative that's been floated out. Um, but let me get back to Steyer and this article written by Maya Schechter, um, Mayan Schechter, excuse me. So Mayan, um, one thing that jumped out in this article, and again, I, I brought my, my colleagues over my shoulder. Um, they talked to people that, you know, some some high-ranking people with the campaign. But at the end, Mayan reported that she saw that the Steyer staff, and let me read directly, um, 
reporters witnessed a Steyer staffer going around the room and collect campaign lanyards from members in the audience before the event started. Several people who had their lanyards removed told the state newspaper that they were paid community organizers for the campaign with responsibilities that include door knocking and phone banking. And I'll end that quote there. So basically, you saw those folks there who were probably paid to, to show up and wear lanyards and look official. And then um, the reporters were able to see that the lanyards were taken after. So almost like they, you know, were paid performers. And I don't want to call them that explicitly, but I mean, what other conclusions can you draw if, you know, you're at a, a campaign a rally or an event and people's credentials um you know, are collected at the end. It kind of looks like you just came in and you played a part. And, you know, that's the kind of cheap politics I don't like to see. I like to see us be more influential and more deliberate in how we engage with candidates and demand more. Um, so, you know, with all this attention, it's exciting. I'm loving it. Um, I'm able to interact with so many uh, candidates and have great discussions. Over the past few weeks, I've had some great discussions with activists from all over the country. Um, but I, I really would love it if um, if we, you know, if, if candidates respected uh, the black constituency here in South Carolina more uh, and didn't just uh, use them as um, some sort of like branding or like ornamental for ornamental reasons. So that kind of blows. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to continue this discussion. I'm probably going to play another clip from a few years ago that I've never forgotten. And it's really important. It's all about how we, again, how black folks should maintain and engage with uh, candidates. And this time of the year where all these jobs open up and all these opportunities arise. You know, so I'm going to play a clip and I'll explain all that later. But let's take another music break. Uh, and I'll catch you on the other side. It's Allah. Uh, it's Allah. It's Allah. Leg, leg, my arm head, that's Islam. Arm, leg, leg, my arm head, that's wisdom. My neck, wrist, riddle with ice, these lights hit on. Half wise man and highest man, stiff arm, blue collar MC, white collar capable, the prodigy, the pocket, me quality, rap ratio. Amused but confused where to put y'all. Something like the jack meeting three stacks in the black Johnny football. I learned from it, you're sipping Schlitz, malt liquor, eating rice and cube steaks, banging ice cube tapes. My cards are face value, stack decks like Aztecs. I could rap 2012s if I have to, I'm proof. Chasing me, master level masonry 33 degrees in the breeze, no sleeves I flame Jamaican, please pray for me New God flow, bring the shady uh. atheist to the paper Put your pride on sunset, you guessed it Show so dope, your nose tingle Red suit, single-breasted I could rock Barclays and Penny Hardaways With the backdrop of a minister Malcolm X message This is real rap and I'm inclined to spit Black scientific, every lyric revivid Like the hieroglyphs, there's truth in my literature I got a flair for it, you sharpshooting the booth My flow is like the figure four this rap on tap, it's no basic brew Sobering, no contact, I got LASIK view Fort Knox, gold grill, this face is blue On your block, I'm like Spock in that spaceship coupe Futuristic, I spewed it and view shifted Truth is, I stand accused, I tutored the youth different The black bar fish, I check chest so often At best, I get Shakespeare-esque when it's talking Tell me why I need a Basquiat when every bar I drop is art All my abstract strokes for black folks Steady hands paint revivals, I ain't colorblind So I color mine with Scott Heron, Bobby Bland vinyls I don't 
on a Rembrandt or Warhol Just Romare Bearden Those collages on the walls of my conscience I am never rattled, I was stand shots Child of survival, I was Stokely called Michael in the sandbox I unsheathed for death streets The second I bless beats is just a bit fresher than chef's quiche Undefeated, blending the blues with a lit fuse Please excuse the Don Shula in my maneuvering All my issue classic, I put the cack in the casket I agitated the flames and I resurrected the ashes This is God work through a sinner Every line, every rhyme, no, I signed by the seal and deliver Arm, leg, leg, my arm, head, that's Islam Arm, leg, leg, my arm, head, that's wisdom My neck, wrist, riddled with ice, these lights hit on Half-wise man and highs man, stiff arm Never need a control verse for this shit I control first I give truth to dianeers, salute the pioneers Relaxed in the plush leather with the lights down Mr. Taylor playing shoot the right now Welcome back to Miked Up on OM Radio. I'm your host, Mika Gadsden. We're talking about how black communities here in the South can maintain their political power and influence during the campaign or election season. Uh, Yeah, so the next clip I want to play is from a few years ago. I'll I'll never forget it. I remember because um, I was transitioning away, or at least I wanted to transition away from Women's March um, and into work that was unapologetically black and work that that focused uh, on black issues and black needs, right? And so I was just like desperately searching for books and uh, articles and think pieces um, on people who who strategize to help communities remain autonomous, remain strong and self-sufficient. And I stumbled across this uh, Black Power Summit. It was, uh, I believe it was uh, uh, funded and, and organized by MoveOn.org. Uh, and it was it was a great summit. It, it, it had faces that I remember. I, that are very familiar if you're familiar with any anyone in like black politics or from the DCCC or you know anything like that you, you start seeing these faces but um the former interim director of the NAACP uh Derek let me make sure I got his name let me make sure I'm, I'm on point y'all let me see what we got here yeah Derek Johnson um he's you're gonna hear from him next in this next clip and basically he just talks about what what um, what Latasha has always kind of instructed me about and has been very vocal about. When these campaigns come and descend on our communities, you know, it, it's a it's an opportunity ripe with uh, exploitation. And so we need to make sure that we maintain the proper balance and footing and we understand the game, understand how um, a, a lot of industries come out of this game, uh, how consultants are born, how surrogates are born, how pundits are born and how our voices are are sometimes co-opted uh just to get votes right and oftentimes people want to come to me it's like how do we get black people to come and show up well black people always show up we're, we're the most reliable voting block even when there's um you know dips it you know black women for sure show up no doubt right so um Derek, without me kind of going off on tangent about all of that exploitation and and these false narratives, um, I'm going to let Derek Johnson's, uh, I'll let him pretty much just articulate what um, what so many of us in our communities already know to be true, um, but this just drives it home. So I'm going to have you listening to this clip right here. Interim president of the NAACP, one of the nation's largest civil rights organizations, I want you to just jump us right in. So right now, we're preparing the black community. We're going to activate them to get out and vote. What needs to be done? What are some of the methods we should employ? Well, what, thank you, uh, uh, Jessica, and hello, everybody. <laughs> one of the things we have to do is zero in on the title, black civic engagement, not political party civic engagement. 
and stop carrying the water for either political party because at the end of the day, we're not the tail and the, and the party is the dog. We're the dog and the party is the tail. And political parties are vehicles for agendas. And far too often we accept other people's targets and methodologies to get out our community. When in fact we should be creating our own targets. What's viable? Where are the opportunities? In Jackson, Mississippi, people say Shokwe Lubumba could have never won. Mm -hmm. He won with over 70 plus percent of the vote. This past year, people said that his son, Antar Lumumba, would be in a runoff. He won with over 57% of the vote. It's when we make a decision that, and we focus, we can turn out our base. Another key thing we, we got to do, black infrequent voters in presidential elections can make a difference during midterm elections. If you look at many states, African-Americans who vote during presidential elections far exceed the percentage of whites in those same states. In Mississippi, for example, and I use the state that I live in, 63% of African Americans voted in the last presidential election. 52% of white folks voted. 40% of all ballots that were cast were by African Americans, and yet African Americans make less than 35% of the voting age populations. We outperform our weight. When we get to midterm and state elections, we drop down to 34% and they drop down to around 40 to 42%. Our target should not be based on a political party scheme that's been informed by consultants that's been spending a $1.3 billion in consulting fees for these elections. Our target must be informed by where do we have the greatest opportunities to turn out the vote and stop falling for the trick of getting the voter registration money in the last 30-day money and start looking at how do we identify infrequent voters during midterm elections and turn them out from our community, by our communities, using our institutions. Yes. Okay, so you just heard a clip again from the Black Power uh, Summit that took place in August of 2017. It was um, uh, hosted by or moderated by Jessica Bird. Shout out to Jessica Bird. And um, yeah, you heard the voice of Derek Johnson, the former uh, interim uh, NAACP president and CEO talking about like how we need to engage in uh in this time of year this this political season and even though it was from a few years ago i think it was just so spot on in terms of like and this conversation has been going on for years um when i worked um on campaigns in camden new jersey and when i worked in trenton you often heard conversations about that short-term money that kind of comes flooding in and catches us off guard. And um, a lot of the offers are just too good to, to pass up in, in a lot of communities that, that need resources and funding. And so I don't begrudge anyone for taking these opportunities, but we just need to recognize what this is. And perhaps instead of taking the more immediate job, we could, um, you know, negotiate for something more influential, something that can add to more value in your community. So perhaps maybe you not take a job as a field organizer, but you um, are contracted by the campaign or consulted by the campaign. Like you can be your own consultant. It doesn't have to be this, you know, this hot shot from DC that comes down and tells you, or what the polling data says about your backyard on Johns Island or, or in Red Top or, you know, in Walterboro. No, you can be your own strategist. You can you know the issues. Um, we need to be empowered and, and to speak that way. We know our own issues better than any pollster. And if the last election taught us nothing, it taught us that polls don't get the whole picture. And I think there's just so many different variables now 
I think polling and is important, yeah. Um, but I think you know we need to take it into consideration. You know, it it doesn't hit, carry the same weight as it once did. We have so many different other influences or different uh, things influencing politics now, um, with social media, digital media, uh, and how people consume news and how people consume information. Uh, it, it has changed so much from I would even say from when Obama was first elected in '08. You know, so I think that, uh, you, you know, pollsters and whatnot and, and those who who really built uh, careers out of telling folks how to how they can more effectively reach voters. I think we need to show them who's who, you know, show them who's boss and weigh into this conversation uh, with our institutional knowledge, with our lived experience, which is just as valuable as any degree. I don't care what anyone tells you. Your experience in your community, especially if you've been there for a substantial period of time, your experience in your community is worth way more than any pollster, than any consultant floating in from another area. Please believe that. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted I wanted to kind of just continue that conversation. Um, you know, I'll tell you what, we're going to take another music break right here. And when I come back, I'll talk about another article that I read um, at this time. This was in Ebony Magazine online. Uh, it was really interesting. It took a look into one specific can, uh, campaign, um, but it talked about the importance of black staffing. And so I'll talk about that uh, once we get through this music break. All right. So, yeah. Enjoy. Again, yo, okay, station identification. This is Mike Up on OM. This is your host, Mika Gadsden. And yeah, we're going to take a music break. Wasn't that beautiful blooming petal from concrete And just a flower my pollen falling at God's feet With fly sneakers resonate jealousy hate Or from the bleachers where they bleed the blood of Jesus that I elevate My simple wonderings all my success is humbling I can't succumb to that cause these homies in my circumference They real 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 niggas get it popping like 23 on my back So me backing down ain't no option I inspired them to rise for a change I mastered the art of creation being patient, opening lanes, I put my hood on the map Got one shot at that spot, two wait in the trap Fade away, trade for the win, now they screaming I'm top five When I'm carried by six, make them remember I was the seventh one Uh, seven. Truth is, 
I got a pathological palate, I'm passionate so I can't waste these talents Even if that J I lit is on and off again I'm better equipped to tighten my grip before quitting on what I offer I put hours in See they say my talents are towering, awful high in the sky But some do see me sky and don't really want me to fly Cause they don't champion my championships I ain't trying to pitch it Cane fame, no pistols and colored handkerchiefs Stressing is failure, progression pulled through my pores Like sweat is wet as that net when I'm blessed to step on the floor My mission to conquer confident karma be my reward To get my mama out that Honda, put on one accord I'm more livid than timid, that's period Not a colon, a comma, not while I'm breathing And not a meaning diminished, I put my love on the sentence God relates to my struggles On the seventh day he was finished I'm your host, Mika Gadsden. If you're listening live, you're catching me on 96.3 FM on radio in Charleston, South Carolina. If you're listening on demand via podcast, um, yeah, welcome back. Hope you like this show. Hope you have been listening to other shows. Uh, Today we're talking about how black communities here in the South can maintain their political power and influence during an active campaign and election season. As you know, South Carolina is an early primary state. Our primary is on February 29th. Uh, uh, So we are going to be very busy in the coming weeks um and even after that uh 2020 is going to prove to be a very very busy time for us but being an early primary season has brought us so much attention we've got we've received so much media attention and of course these candidates have made their way to our breweries to our um to our union halls, to our churches. You know, we're going to forums, town halls, um, bully pulpits on the College of Charleston campus. You know, I really encourage everyone to get out and listen to these candidates, ask them tough questions, um, really see what they're about, weigh in. I love an informed uh, debate about politics. I don't like the more uninformed debates about politics. Um, I don't think that we should be banding about words like progressive and Marxist and socialism without really understanding what all of that means. Um, so, but nonetheless, I'm not going to be a referee. Just weigh in, get in there, be active, read your local newspaper. Um, you know, I, I, I hold the post encourage to task. I hold the state to task. I hold SC lead podcasts uh, to task sometimes, but these are really great ways for you to get really important information. Um, the SC lead L E D E podcast is a good podcast to listen to, to know what's going on on the campaign trail. Um, yeah, I, I could do without that whip sound, whip crack. I'm black in South Carolina. Yeah, whips make me make me a little anxious. But um, outside of that, it's a pretty dope podcast. Also, the Post and Courier. Shout out to Caitlin Bird, um, one of my favorite political reporters. Not because she's my favorite, because you know I think she's dope, but because she's 
awesome. She's an awesome reporter. Uh, shout out to Mayan Schechter at the state. Uh, she's doing a great job. Uh, Adam Parker at the Post and Courier. Yeah, read your local newspaper, your local and state newspapers. Follow your favorite reporters or the, the reporters you find to be most credible. Um, uh, Jamie uh, Lovegrove is another one. Follow your local reporters. They're really doing a great job reporting on all things local politics and also presidential politics. Um, so support those mediums, uh, SCETV and SCETV radio. Uh, these are just some of the ways I consume politics here. I have divested from CNN and MSNBC for the most part. You know, I'm, I definitely might turn on Meet the Press uh, here and there. Um, maybe a little bit of Joy Ann Reed sometimes. But, you know, all of that is, is entertainment or infotainment. Um, so, yeah, support your local news outlets and make sure that you just listen to a, a wide variety of news sources and reporting um, perspectives. Um, I definitely do that, too. Um, but, yeah, we, we've received a lot of attention here in South Carolina, given our early primary state uh, status, our early primary state status, and given that 2020 is poised to be quite the election. Uh, and so with all that attention, we need to make sure that black communities aren't being exploited um, they aren't being mined for their beautiful, brilliant people and just, you know, left to hold, you know, you know, left to just grasp at the pieces and put, put their communities back together once the cameras and the candidates leave. So it's important that we weigh into um, all things electoral politics uh, with the proper perspective, understand when we're being tokenized, how we're being tokenized and how we can kind of flip the script. Uh, and reclaim some of that power. Um, you know, what comes to mind is that, you know, you are an operative, right? You you don't need a degree. You don't need to have, have spent time on Capitol Hill to know your community. And you don't need to be a pollster. You know, so if you have lived experience and you're from a certain area, if you're from an Edisto, a Red Top, if you're from, uh, you know, a Walterboro, you name it, Wadmala, Johns Island. Um, if you're from these pockets, rep your, your city, right? Rep your, your, your area and weigh in. And if a campaign comes knocking and says, hey, I want to make you an organizer or I want to make you a staffer, you know, you know, use your cachet. You know, leverage that, leverage what they want. What they really want is your face. They want people to see your black or brown face when you walk, when, when folks walk in maybe a campaign headquarters, a field office door, you know, they want you to represent their team. So you have value, you have a voice. So it's important that you use that and maybe negotiate for a different type of position, maybe negotiate, you know, maybe consult, uh, maybe, uh, you know, instead of money, Maybe you make sure you have the ear of that candidate and you have access to that candidate. Sometimes access can be worth more than money. I know that sounds hard, but sometimes it is, right? So it's, it, you have way more leeway. You have way more uh, uh, freedom than you think. So I want folks to remember that when these campaigns come a-calling, you don't have to always answer right away. It's important that you, um, you, know, you leverage that opportunity um, when they're in your neighborhood. So there was an article in Ebony magazine. It was published back in May and it was all about like the black staffers, um, with specific candidates. And I'm not going to talk about the specific campaign team. Um, but I will like just pull from, there was a couple of quotes in this article. Um, and I'm just going to read really quickly as we, as we wrap up today's show. Um, but, uh, they spoke with a Candace Nelson. She was an academic director, of the uh, Campaign Management Institute at American University. 
I'm not familiar with that institution, but let me read this quote. Um, Having people of color on staff for communications is key to a campaign's success. All right, so Candace is quoted as saying, tone is very important to a campaign in terms of messaging. Uh, If the campaign is reaching out to people of color, uh, they want people of color part of the campaign. Um, And that makes sense, right? If you're going to have, if you're going to be in black communities, you need competent and capable cultural messengers. Shout out to Jessica Bird. That is completely from you. Um, Yeah, you want competent cultural, cultural messengers. You don't just want people who look like they don't fit in that community representing your campaign team, especially if you're reaching out to a very important part. Um, I'm going to read a little bit more. It said, uh, uh, let's see, looking to 2020, many Democratic candidates are taking steps to engage black the black community, such as Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren and her plan to address black infant mother mortality. Um, and this is when Kamala was still in the race and in Kamala at that time was focused on the cash bail reduction. Um, so many political commentators wonder whether a non-black candidate can connect with African-Americans. It raises the question of whether, um, uh, whether black political operatives can help fill the perceived gap between candidates and communities. And I'll end that quote there. So, um, you know, these folks are looking for black faces to make sure that, that their team looks, um, not only looks the part, but actually weighs in. Now, now, some campaigns listen to their black staffers more than others, and you can tell by some of the media that comes out. You can tell by some of the messaging that comes out. Um, and some just, you know, they want the window dressing. And it's an ugly truth, but it's it's a real, you know, it happens, right? Um, but again, uh, if, you're, if you are presented with an opportunity, you need to make the most of it. Um, you know, what we've seen this election season uh, at the very beginning, the Boston Globe ran an amazing story that, that highlighted all these black women who either were like the political director or the state directors or deputy state directors of these presidential campaigns here. You know, women like Tiffany James with the Buttigieg campaign um, or Jessica Bright uh, with the Bernie Sanders campaign um, and on and on. Right. All these amazing black women who were handpicked to be the face of the campaign. And what I loved about and none of these, this doesn't apply to any of the women I just mentioned. But what I did see with some of the other campaigns that I didn't mention is that they employ people who were in over their head. And what that showed me was, yeah, they gave a black woman a shot, but they really didn't set her up for success. Number one. And number two, um, you know, it, it was blatantly tokenism, because if the person can't fulfill their job, you know, how effective are they? Why, why hire them just to just give the just to give the appearance that you're actually centering the voices of black women. You know, that does a disservice to women who are trying to rise up in the ranks because if that young lady falls or that young uh, or gentleman falls uh, on his face and he's not set up for success, that makes the next opportunity um, a little harder for us to get. So we want to make sure the right people are in position as well. And that's why it's important that these candidates not just come here and not just throw cash around. You know, we have to ask for more, guys. You know, they want our vote, but they can't just get it. So um, you're listening to Mic'd Up on Ohm. I'm going to get out of here. Thank you for listening. I hope you really got something of value from today's show. Um, Yeah, until next time, y'all, you know, stay whole. uh, Take care of yourself. And to all my Gullah Geechee descendants out there, stay black.